We, anybody that knows us uh, knows that we share in some traits. Um, you know, and we do it in good fun, but if you don't know that, then, then you know, it might look something different. We cut up now. But our family is great at arguing. We argue about everything. Anything, everything, you know, uh, what time of day it is, was it hot, was it not hot, is it humid, is it cloudy, is it going to rain, is it not going to rain. I mean, we just, we just argue about anything just for the sake of arguing. Now, granted, we do it in good fun. Now, sometimes it's not so fun for my wife when it's just me and her because she doesn't share in those same things. And so there's some confusion there. But think about the nation we live in now. Think about the times we live in. Think about some of the churches and some of the things that are going on. They argue for no other reason but to cause problems, to cause issues. I mean, you got people standing up for all these different, different things, that, and they care really nothing about them other than it causes chaos. I mean, who do you think by design is behind all that? I mean, it's the devil. I mean, the devil's got us all fighting and moving against each other. He's got all these people just stirring up all this mess. And while we're over here arguing about things and we're putting all this energy and, and effort and time, is it just not easier just to speak the truth and let the truth be? But we got to get all involved. We like me and Daddy and Bradley when we sit down at the at the at the dinner table at Christmas and and Thanksgiving and you know different times. We got to argue until we're blue in the face until we think one has got our point versus somebody else's point. Now, granted, we're just doing it in good fun, but think about what the devil's doing in the world today. Man, you got people that's taking up time, energy, effort, and you're just wasting all oxygen and, and, and all this uh, casting basically your, your pearls on pigs, if you would. And while we're over here doing all this, the devil's just gaining more and more ground. What happens to God's truth being God's truth? You know, think about it. And I remind them on, on Wednesday night all the time that just think about it. The God we serve created everything. All right, so I want you to think about that. The God we serve created everything. Uh, the God we serve is also the same God that gave Noah all the the discipline and the patience and the will to do what Noah did, right? I mean, 90 some odd years he preached. Nobody was added to it. 90 some odd years did he work on the ark. I mean... How discouraged do we get after a couple of weeks? Huh? Yeah. I, how many projects we got around the house that ain't done? I'm not even going to tell you. I don't know. Wrong. But think about it. But that same power, same power gave Moses the ability and the authority to part that sea, right? That same power. That same power fed the multitude for 40 years. Wandering in the wilderness, clothed them, you know, shoes didn't wear out. That same power, that same power is in the Word of God here today. That same power. Then why don't we let that power work? Because sometimes we get so caught up in it and we forget that the devil just wants us talking. 
He just wants us fighting. He just wants us arguing. He just wants us doing all these things to cause discord in everything. Discord in the, in the body of Christ. Discord in the church. Discord in our families. Discord in, in every action. But again, remember the power that's in the Word of God. Look at all the great things that God has done. Look at all the great things He will continue to do. Just think about it in your lives. Think about where you were 20 years ago. And think about where you're at today. Think about where someone else was at 20 years ago in their life. Think about what they were thinking. Think about what they were doing. Think about where you come from. Don't forget where you came from. I mean, I look at my life and I say, God has worked many miracles. Countless times I should have been dead. And he may, he may take me this afternoon. He may take me tomorrow. But he didn't take me when he could have took me. And I should have been took because so many others were. Countless others were. But think about this. Think about the power of God is in his word. That's all we need. That's all we need to be saying. That's all that ever needed to be said. And let God do what God does. I about dropped it. There we go. It's good to see everybody this morning. Glad you're here. Glad you came out to to uh, worship and, and praise the, the one and only Jesus Christ, right? It's good to see my mother-in-law, Melanie, in church this morning. Hadn't seen her. She she works on the weekends and don't is not able to be here, but uh, I'm glad she's here today. Um, thanks again to all the men that come out yesterday to Miss Cindy's house. Um, porch looks great. We had a bunch of help. I think we finished it in about three and a half hours probably. So so we done good, tearing the old one down and putting the new one in. A lot of, a lot of, we had plenty of young men help for strong backs, so that was good. That was real good. So it looks good, and we're glad to be able to serve and, and, and do that. And, you know, next year at this time, we'll, we'll do something in the community again because that's what it's about. You know, yesterday was... They call in a lot of churches, and we've done it here, Serve Day, where a lot of places, you know, went. And we last year we went to the school and pressure washed, and and we talked about it yesterday that it was much better over there at the porch than uh, pressure washing sidewalks at the school. I promise. I mean that has to be done, but that was some hard work last summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, Troy remembers. He said he said Daddy about killed him. Worked him so hard. He wouldn't let us take breaks or anything. He just was slave driving. <laughs> hey, I, I will tell you this. He did tell me, he said, looks like you're going to have enough help that I may not have to do much. That's what he said for yesterday. I said, that's right. You can just, and he, I mean, he, he worked, but he pointed and guided, which is what he should be doing. Him and Roger both, good supervisors yesterday. We needed that. Um, but no, it was a good time. Good time of fellowship and, and work and, and, um, Serving as, as God's called us to serve, but um, also starting Wednesday, August the 2nd, first Wednesday in August, 
um, we're going to, for about six weeks, not have our normal class time. And so everybody from teenagers on up will meet out here, and, and Daddy's going to teach and preach on the motivational gifts. And so if you've been through it before here, then, then great, you know. And, and he's, he's always handed out a, a questionnaire for you to fill out on your own, pray about and fill out. And, and if you don't know where these motivational gifts come from in the body of Christ, then, then read Romans chapter 12, okay? It talks fully about them, and we're going to go over them one by one. And um, he come to me last week, and he felt like God dealing with him on, on doing that and bringing that. And I said, that would be great. We prayed about it, and, and um, feel like God leading this way. And there's a lot of people excited about it because there's a lot of you here that hadn't been through it because it's been several years. And... You know, we preached on, starting last week, a made, made on purpose for a purpose, and we all have a purpose in the body of Christ, and we need to understand what that is and what our role is. And so, you know, we'll start that on the first Wednesday in August and at 7 o'clock, and, and it'll, be, it'll be a good time. Looking forward to it. Um, so let's receive our offering just now. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, we want to be praying... I got a text from my cousin Tim. We prayed for his wife Jane that lives in Arkansas that's got several health issues. I got a text yesterday morning. I had to take her to the emergency room for some things going on, and, and she was real disoriented. But talked to him yesterday afternoon, and, and she's doing a lot better. Um, they, they couldn't find anything. They thought she might have had a stroke to begin with, but, but couldn't find anything with that. And, and so, fortunately, there was no stroke. The doctor told them, hey, you know, Healthy diet, you know, watch what you're doing and eating and putting in. She still has other health issues that that uh, that are going on. But just remember Jane Carroll when you pray. And then Kathy Henson um, that sits over here by Kathleen. Her husband, Dwayne, had been in the hospital this week. And um, he's got Parkinson's and um, dementia, right? And, and so, you know, he's disoriented a lot, but he wasn't eating. He wasn't moving hardly. So... Um, I think they said from what I got from her, he did not have a stroke either like they thought. That they thought he might have had a seizure. But, but his name is Dwayne, so remember him when you pray. And we pray this morning and throughout the week that, um, that, that his health improves. So anything else just now? Yes, ma'am. Don and okay, all right. So, so we'll remember them in prayer this morning as we pray. Well, all right. Well, let's let's pray and we'll receive our offering. Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you, and we thank you for this time we've already had together this morning. The time we got to spend in worship and praise to you, and that it don't stop with just when the singing stops, Father, but we continue on with a 
would just lift in your name on high through this whole service because it's all about you. It's all about Jesus and what he's done for us. And, and nobody else gets accolades but you today, Father. And we just thank you, God, that you're working and moving in people's lives this morning, that, that we open up and we receive and understand. And, 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 Father, that we go out from here ready and built up and ready to, to work and to, and to tell people about you and about your name and, and do and, and live the life that you've called us to live each and every day. God, we lift these needs to you right now. We pray for the ones that Miss Ruth mentioned, that, that, that she's been sitting with, us, that, that are on the way to Michigan, God, that are not in good health. But, Father, you give them safe travel as they go up there, Father, that you just watch over them and keep them safe, God, that they can have an easy trip. And, and God, you, we know that your hand's on them right now. We thank you for it. We pray for Kathy's husband, Dwayne, that you touch him this morning. God, continue to work and move in his life and his whole situation, Father. That, that health is there, the healing's there, and we just we just believe it and call it done in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. Be with Jane this morning. God, that you continue to touch her. God, bring health and healing to her. We know where their faith is. We know what they proclaim is that she's healed by the stripes of Jesus, and we just believe that with them right now. We thank you for that. God, as we come this time of tithes and offerings, do as your word says, and obedient to you this morning, God, that you just touch and bless each and every one here, and we love you and praise you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 A song is, I just started hearing it a couple weeks ago called Praise You Anywhere by Brandon Lake. Really good song. Really good song. Praise Him Anywhere. Praise Him. As, as Daddy was talking about this morning and, and as we're going to talk more about in a few minutes, praise Him no matter what's going on. Give Him praise because He's worthy of it. So, Amen. Children, go to Children's Church this morning. Well, all right. Were y'all ready to receive the word this morning? Amen. Amen. Because I'm ready to give it. I know that. Well, I'm as ready as I feel like I can be. You know, there's there's still things. I was putting more notes down this morning. And at some point, you just got to say, all right, stop. Because I know that, that I could read a lot and talk a lot. But I know sitting in your spot that there's only so much that your backsides will handle to let your brain listen to. So... So we got we, we know that. But last week, we, we started talking about being made on purpose for a purpose, right? We talked about how God does not make mistakes. He, we're here, and He's got a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. And that's part of what we're going to talk about on Wednesday nights as, as we go on in, in August. But, you know, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 was our main text that we got to last week that says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. So we're created for Him. We're created for His pleasure, His purpose. That's why He created this human body back in the beginning, was for us to worship Him, for us to live a life to Him, 
and, and know that He is God and God alone and that He can work in our life. And so we're created for Him, by Him, to Him. And when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, because we talked last week, we were born into a lost and dying world because Adam and Eve sinned, then we became an imperfect creation. All God's perfect creation became an Im- imperfect, right? So when we were born again, what God did a work inside of us that, that recreated us that, that said, hey, now you're my child. Now you can come before me. And, and, and no matter, without shame, without reproach, without being bashful or whatever, we can come before the throne of God because we are His children created in His image. And so we're created with a purpose and for a purpose. So, so this week... We want to go, and you can see in the title if it was up there, but talk about praise and worship. I know it's been talked about this morning already. Daddy talked about it when he was up here as we went into a time of singing, that, that our praise and worship, and we should all know this because I've talked about it before, is not just three or four songs we sing on Sunday morning. We, we limit it to that a lot of times to where we come in here, all right, we've got to sing. Why are we singing? Are we singing just to sing because it's what we've always done? It's how we grew up? Because every church service we've ever been in has started with singing, right? Every church service, you can look back when you were a child. It was either sing out of the hymn books or sing on the wall or whatever we was going to sing. And it's not just about singing, it's about praising. And there's a difference in singing and praising. Here, I think next weekend or so, in a couple weeks, there's going to be 20,000 or more people at a place in Coleman outside in the hot, sweating, just, I couldn't imagine being there in this time of year. And they're going to be out there singing and acting a fool. And I know they're going to be intoxicated, more than 95% of them, I'm sure. And the ones that are not probably wish they was so they can try to get through whatever they paid these awful, God-awful money for tickets for and if you don't know what it is, you can Google it. It's right in the south in Coleman. And so, and I'm not bashing anybody that goes. If you go, just, just, I'll just put this. Remember, we just said here, you're a child of God. And so if you're going amongst the filth, then you need to be a light amongst the filth and not filth amongst the filth. Anyway, because we're created in His image for His workmanship, right? But so... So there's going to be all them people there singing. And they're, they're going to be jumping and shouting and, and just all kinds of things. Why? Because it makes you feel good. Because it's fun. But we come in church on Sunday mornings and we're here. This is us. This is us. We don't know what to do with our hands. I don't know if anybody, I hate to use when I when, I, when this comes to me. Right, I'm gonna say a movie name, and it's not the, it's not a family-friendly movie. But if you ever seen Talladega Nights, Ricky Bobby's making a commercial, and he's like, "I don't know what to do with my hands," and they keep, "I don't know what to do." That's how we act when we're in here singing. Well, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my hands. I don't know what I'm, I'm here. One, if you sit on the front row, you have nothing to hold on to, so you're really awkward. If you're sitting with chairs in front of you, you can hold right here, and you're good. My hands are here. I know what to do with them. But even me over here, I'm like, Which, this is uncomfortable. What do I need to do? I don't want to do it with my hands. And, and so what we should be doing with our hands in praise and worship is, 
worship is either clapping them because that's part of praise, and that's part of what David talks about in the Old Testament Hebrews. One of their words that, that was praise meant clapping of hands or raising of hands. And that's, that was praising God. When we say hallelujah, hallel means praise in Hebrew. And the rest of that comes from Yahweh. So it means praise Yahweh, praise God, right? So when we say hallelujah, we're praising God. And that's, we're just going back to that original translation of what that's talking about. And music is great. Music makes a lot of money. Why? Because God loves music. What, what, what was Lucifer, Satan, who was he in heaven? What was his job? Was he not the minister of music? So obviously God loves music. And, and God loves singing praises to him. And so he loves for us to sing praises to him. But what happened whenever Satan got pride and wanted to take over God? He fell down. Well, music got perverted. So that's why 20,000 people are going to be in Coleman, 40,000 whatever over the weekend, and there's going to be 50 here. Why? Because that's fun and this is not supposed to be. This should be more fun and appealing than that. Because what we have here and the Holy Spirit we have inside of us here should give us more of a high when we come in and more freedom than anything the world can give us. But it don't happen that way. Why? Because we're born into a sinful flesh. And our sinful flesh wants to appease our sinful flesh. And so even churchgoers, Christians, are going to be amongst that people to next weekend. And I'm not, I'm not here to preach. I didn't even have that in my notes. Okay, I'm sorry. This this, uh, what daddy you say? It's ain't going to cost you any extra. All right. I don't know if he was here when he was preaching, but he said that a lot. This won't cost you any extra. So this ain't going to cost you any extra. But I said last week, it's, it's, not, it's not natural for us to come praise God. Why? Because we were born in a sinful nature. So we've got, since we're reborn, it should be more natural to us because we're living as a redeemed soul. So it should be natural to us. It should be natural to come and praise. It should be natural to be more free in here amongst everybody here that we know that's other born-again believers than it is out there in the world where nobody knows us. But it's not. Why? Because we make it that way. Because we, won't, we don't want to let ourselves go. There's a story back in 1 Samuel of David. Do you know David's wife, one of his wives, got on him for praising? Does anybody know that story? So in 2 Samuel chapter 6, we'll read it. The Ark of the Covenant was coming back to the city of David. David at this point was king. He was over everything. And, and, he come, and in 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 14... I'm not getting on wives this morning, okay? I'm not. But his wife did do this. So, then David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David was dressed in the appropriate wear. He was supposed to be just all just somber. Just all religious. Because he was dressed in this ephod. He was, he was dressed as King David. Okay? He, he should be... We're here. He should be us here on the chair. Okay? That's what he was doing. But that's not how he was. Why? He danced with all his might. When, when, when 
about this is that he lost control. Why? Because the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, as they had it back then, was coming back to where it needed to be. And when we come in here, we should come with an attitude and a posture. There's a posture for praise, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, of how we should come before God and to God. And, and it doesn't have to be, oh, I'm, I'm here and that's it. No, we can lose control before God. We, in, in Him and through Him, as David did right here. So David, he danced before the Lord with all his might. He danced before God wearing something that he should be conservative in. He danced before God. He said, so it's all right to dance in church? Yes, if it's the Holy Spirit leading you, it is fine to dance in church. We've heard so much. You know, we can't do that in church. We can't do that. Then there's some people, that's all they want to do. And then, you know, and I know we've had it here. We've had it both ways. You have people dancing in church, running up and down the aisles. And you say, well, that's just them. A lot of times, sometimes it is. But you don't. So you're going to judge somebody on what they're doing because of what God's doing in their life? And you're sitting there. So if you're that person, and I've been that person on both sides of the aisle. Because, guess what? When you let yourself go for God, people don't like it. They don't like it. In verse 16, it says, Now as the ark of the Lord came to the city of David, Michal, I think that's how you say her name, Saul's daughter, which was David's wife, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. She despised him. That goes on now. People are, God's working through somebody. The Holy Spirit's moving in somebody's life. They've actually let themselves be moved by God in a church service. And then everybody else around is like, I think I should be doing that like that. I don't think that's how it's supposed to go. Why? Because tradition and religion has taught you how it's supposed to go? I just don't think that's of God. So your thoughts and God's thoughts are different because you want what you want because of in our, in our natural body we can't understand God completely so we just assume that that's not how it's supposed to be because we feel a little bit uncomfortable about it. Y'all here today? All right. And so we'll look at people doing that. They look silly. They shouldn't praise God that way. They're causing a disturbance is what they're doing. Jesus' whole mission on this earth was to cause a disturbance. That's why he came, was to shake things up, right? And we get in here, I'm not, I'm not getting on to people this morning by no means, but we get into a church that we say, hey, we come to believe God together, and we're free to do whatever we want, and then we're here. We're here. We'll let the whole world dance, have shows about it, just flaunt whatever, do all kinds of nasty stuff, and we'll watch that, and we'll look at that, and we'll say, ah, that shouldn't be right, but we won't turn it. And, and, I'll, and then when somebody dances in church, they're dancing like the world. How do you know it didn't start in heaven and the world's dancing like we should be dancing? I'm just saying, come on. Are, are we free or are we not? Are we free or are we bound down? Do we have freedom in the Holy Spirit and what He's done in our lives through Jesus Christ? Or are we just here? So in verse 20, when David returned home to bless his household, so David come back. 
to bless his household after this. After the, the covenant, Ark of the Covenant come in, David come back, and he, I'm going to bless my house. God, I'm a man of my house. I'm going to bless my household and everyone in it. What happened? Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel had distinguished himself today. One of them nagging women. I don't live with one. See, she's right here. How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of slave girls and the servants as a vulgar fellow would. Really? That's what she got out of all that. Whenever the Holy Spirit's moving in, the, in, in church or moving in a service or moving in somebody's life, we get that same attitude a lot of times. <sighs> I thought they were better than that. One, one that we do is who were they to do that? That's more common today. You're supposed to be this person. I know what you've done the other day. I know who you really are, and you're just putting on a show. In essence, that's what she was doing. Because she knew David's flaws. David had flaws, and we all, we all know David's flaws. I mean, they're written about. Our flaws are not written about in the Bible, but David's are. So everybody knows about David's flaws in his life. He was not a perfect man. But he danced. And, and, and she got mad. How could you do that? You're supposed to be a king and you're flaunting yourself around. How would you do that? David said, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than the Father. I like this. He said, He chose me rather than your father and anyone else in his house. I mean, if that's not a mic drop moment. Saul, this was Saul. He was king of Israel. He wasn't chosen. The people chose Saul. And, and, and then David come along and God said, no, that's the one I want. And so David's like, hey, hang on. Your dad was, he wasn't, he, he wasn't who he thought he was. I mean, God chose me, not him. And so I'm going to dance before the Lord because he chose me. Guess what? We can dance before God because he chose all of us. Because we're recreated in his image, in his likeness. And, and we have his spirit inside of us. And so he said, he has appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be, I will be, humiliated, in, I, I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And so he said, I will become more undignified. He said, if you think this is crazy, if you think this is wild, just wait and see. Just wait and see. And that's what the world should be seeing from us. You know, you know. I used to hear it say, oh, they're going to call you a holy roller. I have never been called a holy roller. What well, does that make me? Because I'm not? No. Because, guess what? I lived a lot of my life where they didn't see a difference between me and the world. So I couldn't be a holy roller. Oh, I, I go to church. That doesn't make you a Christian. I had somebody jokingly tell me, when we, when we uh, beat the Baptist church last Sunday afternoon, if you wasn't there, we beat them by one run in the last inning. So, um, and, and wiffle ball. But, <laughs> and so a buddy of mine said, he said, you know, my, I, I'm still in, my name's still on the book at First Baptist. I said, well, that ain't going to get you in heaven. Just because your name's on a roll at a church and you're a member does not get you in heaven. 
the only thing that we know that gets you in heaven is your names in the Lamb Book of Life. That's what gets you into heaven. Just because you have a, uh, a piece of paper that we keep that's got your birthday and stuff on it here, and, and we call it, and it's not a roll, that doesn't get you into heaven. So, so, I mean, it's no different. But he said, I will be more undignified than this. He said, just watch and see. Just watch and see. And, and one thing of praise and worship is not... It, it, was, it was being prostrate, face first on the ground before God. Why that? Because that is a position that you are vulnerable in, right? When you've done that, you said, I give everything to you. I am, because it looks crazy. Why would I lay down on the floor before God? Why wouldn't you? If we sing to a God, if we, we sung this morning, and one of the songs says, I, here in your presence. Here in your presence. If we're really in the presence of God, would this be our position right here? If we really felt like we was in the presence of God, it should be in full surrender, on our knees. There's nothing wrong during praise and worship or at any time you feel God move in your life to get on your knees there at your chair, come here, sit down on the floor, lay down, whatever, in reverence to God. There's nothing wrong with that. If, our, if, if we would do more of that at home, then when we come to church, it wouldn't be as uncomfortable. Just say it. He said, so just watch. Just wait and see. So David didn't care who saw him. He didn't care what was going on. He was going to dance. He, and he was going to sing. He was going to praise God no matter what. Now we know there's charismatic churches that get into that and you can watch memes of them dancing and different things. And we used to sing a song, I, I knew it all growing up, I will dance as David danced, I will sing as David sang, I will praise as David praised. You remember that song, Mama? Yeah. And, and so I sung that all the time. You're like, well, how did he do that? He did it undignified. He did it without the care in the world. Why? Because he knew his purpose in life was to praise God. He knew he was here for a purpose, and one of those purposes was to praise him. And, and so... We, we can, well, I can't think of anything to praise God for. Well, then, God's not Lord of your life. Jesus is not Lord of your life. You can't think of anything to praise for. Because if you, if anything to praise Him for is His Son's Jesus, right? Anything to praise Him for is Him forgiving Him my sins. Anything to praise Him for is my name being written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And then I, when I leave this world, I'm on my way to heaven. So in Psalms chapter 9 and verse 1, David, we'll read a couple Psalms. And we could read tons. We could spend the next two hours reading psalms of praise that David wrote praise psalms to Jesus and using praise and worship in his psalms. He said in verse, chapter 9 and verse 1, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. My whole heart. Remember we said a lot, that's all Jesus wants is our whole heart, right? We can't just give him part of it. If we did, then he's really not Lord of our life. I will tell you of your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they shall fall and perish at your presence. But Psalms 18 and verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my God, my strength in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation and my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. So David, in the time of despair, where did he go? To praise Jesus. To praise God. 
to sing praises to God, to lift up praises to Him. In the middle of everything going on in his life, wherever he was at, whether it be chased by Saul as much as he did, and almost killed or whatever was going on, he knew, hey, I've got to come back and I've got to praise God. Because a lot of us today, what is the first thing in, in our natural body, our natural life, when bad things happen, is our first response to praise God. And we can be honest. Is that our first response? A lot of times, no. And it's more no than it should be. Our first response should be to praise God. Not our last response after we exhausted all of our problems, all of our things on our own. Our first response should be to praise God. But we don't because most of the time we've messed up to a point to where we don't feel worthy to praise God. David was not worthy to praise God. You alone are not worthy to praise God. But you have Jesus in your life makes you worthy to praise God. That's where we become worthy to praise God. When we realize, hey, He's got my heart. What am I doing? And our first response should not be to lash out in anger, to, 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 you know, to leave our, our family or do everything on our own and be selfish and all these kind of things. Our first response should be to come on our knees before God, worshiping and praising Him. And that's where our strength's going to come from. That's where our wisdom's going to come from. That's where we're going to know, hey, this is the way I need to go. So that, that should be our first response because there's never a wrong time to praise God. Never a wrong time. You could be in the middle of work and it ain't got to be, you know, I know different religions and whatever. They, whatever time during the day, they got to face the east and get on a mat and who matter what's going on. I give them one thing because I worked with them down in Birmingham. They were constant about it. They didn't care who was around. They were worshiping their God, even though it was a God that, that was dead and, and not going to save them. But guess what they did? They worshiped Him. And me as a Christian sitting around, I was like, Oh, God, look at that. What are they doing? When in reality, I should be worshiping God even louder than they're worshiping their dead God. So that's, that's, there's never a wrong time. Paul and Silas, we know in the New Testament, praised God. They sang praises to God. And we know the, the walls fell, the chains broke, and they walked out. And saved people as they walked out, right? And so they did. Why? Because there's never a wrong time. Because when our flesh wants to take over, when something bad happens, our, our first, first thought is fear, doubt, anxiety, anger. Anything else I'm feeling and leaving out? All these emotions flood in. And that's our first response, is to deal with these first. Why? Because that's what, this, as we said this morning, Daddy said already, that the devil wants us to see our problems and our circumstance before we see the problem solver. If we could see, because we know what the, what the equal, on the, if 2 plus 2 equals 4, we're still stuck at the 2 plus 2 because that's the problem. When the solution is forward, we know that already, but we're still stuck on this side of the equation. Why? Because we, we, we're still stuck there. Well, how does that work? I don't, it don't matter how it works. The solution's here, and that's where we should be. Not stuck and over in our problems all the time, but seeing and knowing the problem solver and get out of the fear and doubt and worry and anxiety of everything that's going on in our life. Because guess what? Yes, those are real. Those happen every day. And just because we read the Word of God does not make it any less painful when people hurt us. Does not make that, that oh, it just it didn't happen. I just dreamed it. No, it's real. Life is real. Life sucks a lot of times, and we know that. 
But when we're praising God, not just in here for 15, 20 minutes on Sunday morning, but every day of the week, and our praise is continually on on our lips, His praise is continually on our lips, then when those times come, our first response will be praise and worship to Him and prayer and supplication to Him instead of all these other things that take over a lot of times in our life, and then we fall away. Amen? Okay. Just making sure y'all, somebody's here. Everybody's awake and listening. I was hoping this week I wasn't preaching to myself because I don't never do these things. If Satan tried to get Jesus, Son of God, to, to get his eyes off of his purpose here in this world, he's going to do the same way. And he's going to keep on. And he's, he's succeeded in that a lot more than we should let him. Jesus, we know in Matthew chapter 4, we'll just read a couple of these verses. We know the Spirit, guess who led Jesus out into the wilderness to be tempted? The Holy Spirit. The Spirit led Jesus out. So, so it's, anyway, we're not, we're not going to get into that discussion. In, ver, in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 8, Again the devil took him up into exceedingly high mountain. This is the last temptation that, that of this Area. I don't believe this is the last time that Satan tried to tempt Jesus and get him off his mark of where he's supposed to be. And he said, He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. If you fall down and worship me. He was saying that to Jesus, but if you fall down and worship me, that's, that's the lure of this world, right? All the riches of this world. How many times have we traded what we know should be front and center of our life? for something that's over here that looks a little more glamorous to us because our flesh wants it. He said, Then Jesus said to him, Away from you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone you shall serve. Right? You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone. The devil left him. Behold, the angels came and ministered to him. And so Jesus, that's 40 days. Hey, I'm getting tempted. My flesh is weak. My, my body's weak because I ain't ate in 40 days. But guess what was not weak on him? His spirit, right? His spirit. Why? Because that 40 days of fasting wasn't sitting there wondering what he was supposed to do for the next, for the next three and a half years. No, he knew exactly what he was supposed to do, so he worshiped and praised God. He supplicated. He, 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 he just spent time with God, one-on-one with him, and didn't worry about anything else. And so he knew what to say, when to say, and how to say it for the devil to leave him alone. And that's where we've got to be in our life. And then our first response to anything happening is to praise God, is to worship Him. Because Jesus knew there was only one worthy to be praised, and that's God and God alone. He knew that. So he's still doing his best to, to get us to bow down. To get us to see the things of this world that lure us in different ways, in different places, and our eyes off Him, off the solution. And, and so that's where He wants us to be as, as we call us Christians. He wants us Christians to be that. So, so we don't see God as we need to. In Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21. Jesus was uh, with Him and His disciples of walking. So we'll read here in verse 21. Then Jesus went out from there and departed from the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of, of Canaan from that region cried out with him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely demon-depressed, demon-possessed. So this woman was not from the house 
uh, she was not she was an outsider. She was a Gentile. She was not a, a she was not an Israelite. And so she's coming to Jesus when she shouldn't be coming to Jesus, because they weren't even supposed to talk to Jews. They wouldn't do all this. But she said, "Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon possessed." But he answered her not a word. So well, that was mean. Why wouldn't he talk to her? I mean, really, back in that day, he wasn't supposed to. But we've all been there. When I read this, I was like, yeah, we've all felt like God is not talking to us. Right? can't remember who it was. Um, well, J.J. was talking last time he was up here. And the guy from work didn't feel like God was talking to him. So we've all been there. We've all felt that. We've all, we've all experienced that. When God is talking to us, because guess what? God is talking to us. Because as we said a lot, this is the living Word of God. So this is God talking to you through the Word of God. But Jesus didn't say anything. And so you can imagine, as, as we've all done, that, well, I just don't feel God no more, so I don't, guess, I don't guess He's got anything for me. We go over and sit down, and don't worry about it. We start living our own, our own desires again, doing our own thing, because we don't think God has anything for us. We don't think God wants us anymore because it's something that, that Satan is deceiving us with and, and, and that we haven't given to God. And, and so she was, but what, she didn't walk away. Jesus didn't say a word. No, no, she said, and his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered, Jesus answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So at this point, Jesus was there for who? We all know he was there for the house of Israel, for the Israelites. That's why he came. That's why he was there. And then when he gives them to go out into all the world. But this is Jesus was there. But he said, what, what happened next? Did she go away? And she said, well, all right. Jesus ain't going to do anything. She came and worshipped him. She came and worshipped him. We're so stuck on God's not doing anything for me that we won't go worship him. We're so stuck on ourselves and our own problems that we can't say, hey, I need to be on my knees and, and before his throne right now giving everything to him. Doing as David, undignified, crying. If you're snotting everywhere, crying, laughing, whatever it is, you're undignified before God because you don't care anymore. Because you're to the point to where I am so tired of dealing with this that I don't care who's around or what's going on. I'm going to be undignified before God because I know that He has something for me. And I'm to the point to where I don't care just as this woman. I'm not even supposed to be talking to Jesus. He's not supposed to be talking to me. And, and she won't give up. She comes and worshiped Jesus at His feet. She come and worshiped Him, saying, Lord, help me. Help me. But he answered her and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Or if you don't know what that means, he's talking to the, to the, to the house, to the Israelites, right? The children of God at that point. And they were little dogs. The Gentiles, the Canaanites. You're like, That's how they was back then. You're talking about racist. They were racist. They didn't want anything else, anybody else having what they had but them. And, and so he said, it's not good to, for the children's bread to be thrown to the little dog. And she said, yes, Lord, even the little dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master table. So, hey, 
She knew she wasn't supposed to be there. She knew that, that she had no, no reason or no right to be there. But she knew those crumbs that fall from the table was enough that she knew Jesus could work through that. She knew that, hey, if I can just get seeds, just give me a crumb. Give me something so I can know and, and my daughter will be healed. And so we didn't have a right before Jesus, but yes, God, we got a right now. We're not a children of little crumbs anymore. We, we can come and sit at the table of God and eat with Him and sup with Him and worship Him and praise Him as we could. And Jesus, He didn't stop there. He said, he said but she said, Yes, Lord, even the little dog get the crumb which fall from the Master's table. Then Jesus answered her and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Why? Because she come and worshipped. She didn't give up. She didn't stop when she didn't feel like God wasn't meant as talking to her no more. When she didn't feel God. Guess what? God's around whether you feel Him or not. If you're based your whole Christianity life on a feeling, then you've based it wrong. The Holy Spirit makes you feel good. It makes you, you know, have, you know, joyful feelings and all this kind of stuff. But that's not what this life is based on is feelings. Our natural life is based on feelings. That's why people's happy one minute, sad one minute, happy and sad at the same time, taking all kinds of this or that because they can't get happy or sad. They don't know what to do anymore. I don't know whether to be happy or sad. And then some people just don't have no emotion. They don't show anything. They don't have any feelings. This wasn't based on a feeling. It's based on her knowing that her faith was in God. And she was willing to do whatever it took, undignified, unrestrained. It didn't matter because she knew that this was the Son of God that could heal her life. So stop waiting on your feeling to get better and worship God where you're at. And then as you worship and praise God where you're at, then you'll see joy come out. Pure joy. Not happiness, but joy. Because joy brings true happiness. So are we willing to do this? Are we willing to become uncomfortable just as this woman did to get to where we need to be with God? That's the real question. Because a lot of us in our Western syllabus... I say this word all the time and I always mess it up. Syllabusization. In America, our churches are not to a point to where we have to worry about I'm going to be persecuted and killed for what I believe in. We're not to that point. So we haven't went through any real suffering, through any real pain, through any real things that make us uncomfortable besides your personal life. Now, in your personal life, you may have went through some uncomfortable things. I'm not saying that you don't. But are we so uncomfortable in them that we want them to change? Are we ready for that, that, that change in our life? And it could be forgiving somebody. We all hold on to that. Or have we just staying to the point to where, all right, that's fine, whatever. Yeah, yeah I, can, I, don't, I don't care. You really do care. You're just showing that you don't care. But you really do care. You really do, and you haven't truly forgiven that person because you still hold resentment against them for something they've done to you in your life. And we get comfortable in that situation. We don't want to change it because we know change you know, having to deal with that would make us uncomfortable. But really, we just worship and praise God. Through that, then we'll see that change in our life. 
Paul in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. We'll end with this one today. I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation. It'll be up there in the King James. Our end goal in this world is not to have a perfect life as much as we think, right? It's not we know our life in this world is not a fairy tale. Hollywood can paint it up pretty and, and all these things. You can read all kinds of books, but it's not a fairy tale. Because as we talk, there's problems, there's hurts, there's pains that are real in our life every day. But our end goal in this life should be in heaven with Jesus and to bring as many as we can with us to be there, right? That should be our goal in this Christian life. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I'm going to read, like I said, out of the Passion Translation, verse 16. So no wonder we don't give up. For even though our outer person gradually wears out, which is true, right? We, uh, as we get older, we can't do as much. Our body wears out. That's what, and, and our inner man, our inner being is being renewed every single day. Every single day. How is our inner being being renewed? Well, if you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit wants to renew you each and every day. The Holy Spirit is renewing that right spirit in you. Do we let things get in the way? Yes. That's where forgiveness comes in. That's where we repent and say, get these things away from me. I don't want them. And we can be renewed in our life each and every day. For a light affliction, a light affliction, coming from a man that was beat, that was imprisoned, that was, that was just whipped, that everything to the point of death wrote this, our light affliction. Why? Because if we can see that heaven is on the other side, then this world is temporary. The, the things you in this life you're going through are temporary. Because guess what? One day, you're going to die. You're not going to deal with them anymore. Until that time, we've got to deal with them. But it's still just a light affliction, which is only for a moment. Let's put it this way. In view of our slight, short-lived troubles in this light of eternity, we see our difficulties as the substance that produces us for an eternal, weighty glory far beyond all comparison. Because we do not focus our attention on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what the unseen realm is, is eternal. Right? So these problems in our life, sure, they're real. They hurt. They, they're awful to go through. We don't want to. But they're temporary. They're temporary. Were we put here for a purpose to go through bad things? I don't believe we're put here to go through bad things. But we're here, so guess what? We live in an imperfect world. We're going to go through some bad things. That's, that's as easy and plain as I can put it. But as we're going through them, we've got a choice. We can follow our own emotions, our own feelings about whatever's going on, or we can worship and praise God. Because that's what our purpose is. That's what, it's what we're here for, is to praise Him and worship Him. And a posture of praise before Him to where we can stand no matter what's going on. And standing does not have to mean physically standing. Standing can be kneeling. Standing can be down, you know, laying out. Just, just here, God, here I am. Here's all of me. Take it and use it. And it doesn't matter. Don't, don't be the spouse like David's was. What are you doing? What are you doing? No, how about husband and wife get there together? Praise together. Pray together. Get undignified together before God and watch God work and move in a home. And then watch it spread out to the church. Then watch it spread out to the, to the community around them. 
and see what God can do. Right? As, as it says in the Bible, one can chase a thousand, right? But two can put ten thousand to flight. There's two people in a marriage. One person can do a lot. So, so don't, don't give up. Don't give in. Don't let the things of this world be front and center. And the problem, we're so stuck on the equation versus the solution. Right? Amen? Amen. Y'all stand this morning. If you're here this morning and Jesus is not Lord of your life, then today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to where you can get in this relationship to where He can be front and center in your life like He needs to be. If you've walked away, then today is the day to where you come back in that relationship with Him and He is front and center where He needs to be and how He needs to be there. And, and so, if you're dealing with things in your life, if, if you're letting the problem be right there in front of you instead of the solution, then take some time this morning and ask God to forgive you of that first. And then let Him be the solution in your life that He needs to be. Look to Him, the author and the finisher of our salvation. And don't let these temporary things in this life, as much as they hurt, control the rest of your life here on earth. Okay? Let Jesus, let Him control your life. See, I'll spend some time this morning in prayer. Just 